Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm your host, Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Last week's show, we jumped right into things and started with an interview with the Canadian Canoe Museum and Kevin Callan. This week, we decided we would maybe share a bit about ourselves and let you know what got us into canoe tripping and paddling. And, um, you know, with, with me, it was when we were kids, uh, teenagers, we had canoes as a family. And I was uh, two older brothers, one got to paddle, one in the front, and I got to sit in the middle. Um, when I got a bit older, I got my own canoe, and uh, we got to go out and do our own paddling. Uh, that led to canoe trips, which just took off from there. Um, it's just getting out with the freedom of the, of the, of the boat. It's funny, I uh, I never really canoed until I was well into my 30s, like as uh, in in school, junior high and stuff, we uh, we did have access to canoes and we uh, canoed near the uh, the school itself. But I never, I didn't do my first trip till I was well into my mid thirties. Uh, I was living in British Columbia at that time. I grew up in New Brunswick, but uh, it just wasn't something that I was that interested in. I was more of a a hiker and and whatnot. Uh, I did a lot of uh, hiking and uh, mountaineering out in British Columbia in the mountains and stuff, but. I moved to Ontario for work and uh, I was looking for hiking and I discovered Algonquin Park and uh, a buddy of mine that I at for at my new place of work, he said, well, I've got a cedar strip canoe. I want you to take that out for the week type thing. So that was my first uh, big and I do was it was a solo trip at Algonquin Park. I was in there for about five days and that's when the bug bit me. I've, I've been uh, canoe camping ever since and I haven't gone hiking ever since. Well, we, we grew up camping. I mean, my dad being in the military, we grew up in various places across Canada here. And I mean, when we we're out west in the Rockies and we we're up north, um, northern Ontario, you know, we grew up outdoors, in nature, exploring and, and camping. And it, it really wasn't um, an option not to be outdoors. You know, like we weren't indoors all the time as kids, you know, you're always out. And when we're camping, you're always running through the bush, playing in the dirt, down at the lake fishing, you know, catching bugs and snakes and, you know, out in the water and waiting to, waiting for dad to get up in the morning to take you out in the boat to go fishing. That, that was what it was. And then when you get older, you know, you're, you're able to do that sort of thing yourself, mm -hmm. you know, and you're out with your buddies and, and stuff on weekends and. You know, it, it just skyrockets from there. My, my upbringing was quite similar. We grew up in 320 acres of woodlot in, in uh, southern New Brunswick. And uh, so I was a big family, seven kids. We were always out in the woods, you know, making lean-tos, camping on weekends and stuff like that. So we are always out, outdoors doing stuff, right? My dad yeah. had sort of a hobby farm. And so uh, the outdoors was is sort of in my blood, but it's the canoeing came later. Well, when I was... Um probably about 1819, I guess, I saw Bill Mason's films. And that really, just seeing what he can do in the places he went, you know, up Northern Superior, Lake Superior, you know, just seeing what was up there. So that's what hooked you. That, that was it. That was the thing that finally, finally hooked me into, into the canoes is, is seeing what Bill Mason was, was doing with his film Water Walker. You know, that was, that's today one of my most favorite outdoor films of all time. I, I can remember the National Film Board of Canada films um, growing up as a kid, and we saw um, Paddle to the Sea, which was a kid, little native kid, carves a canoe with 
a little a little Indian in it and puts it in the snow and when the spring comes, snow melts, it goes into the river all the way down and it goes in through the Great Lakes oh, and all the way I've out seen to that one. That the sea. I've seen that yeah. one. Yeah. I mean that was yeah. that was that was pretty neat and mm-hmm. you know, and then you start getting into the other Bill Mason films and like I say, when he's actually doing the the paddling. You know, he's got a bunch of films and now his daughter Becky, she has her um CDs and DVDs and that to promote canoe tripping and canoeing, the skills. So she's doing a lot of the same things as, yeah, as her dad. Yeah. yeah, she, oh yeah, yeah. I've got a couple of her, her DVDs that show you the skills on paddling properly and, mm-hmm. and different different strokes and all that sort of stuff. So it's definitely a, a family um, continuation there. And uh, But yeah, I mean, j- that's just sort of, that hooked me right off the bat. And then, yeah, when my dad retired and I ended up down in, in the Toronto area um you know people were talking about algonquin park so i went up to see what it was and i did my first solo canoe trip up uh, on opiongo which <laughs> may not have been the best choice but it's um, a large lake it's a very large very lake. large lake you can paddle from one end to the other solo in four hours um but you've got to watch watch that weather coming up over the hills it's a long lake and the weather can really build in to catch it by surprise yeah and and you know what i mean that's when i started getting into the more um, detailed aspects of canoe tripping and and knowing what to expect and you know i'm sure like a lot of people that get into the canoeing uh, and the tripping is you start out with the heaviest gear possible and over time you realize, well, I can't be taking an 80 pound fiberglass <laughs> canoe through the bush, uh, even though I still do. Um, and you know, the, the green propane can stoves and lanterns yeah. and, you know, and now I look at my gear and, and what used to take two massive backpacks and all these extra things is now, you know, in one pack and yes. it's all lightweight and and everything it is a progressive learning experience to uh you start with heavy and bad gear and and over the years you you quickly learn and you quickly migrate to more technical gear i remember some of the first uh winter or fall camping that i used to do is like i would have a windbreaker and then you know i would buy the cheapest windbreaker i could find and it was like wearing a ziploc bag and you quickly learned you gotta wear clothes that breathe that keep you warm breathe layering wools and and you, the layering is is key and, and stay away from the uh the ziploc bag jackets <laughs> yeah i mean that, that's definitely it and you know as you go along you 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 just find out the new technologies uh, in clothing in gear in canoes in paddles and that that tends to be what it is is the lighter stuff is is better but you know we we gear a lot of i mean you and i we have we have a big background in canoe tripping um i know a lot of my friends also do the kayaking and now the paddle the stand-up paddle boarding is is pretty neat um haven't tried that one yet. But I haven't tried I, it yet either, but I want to get out and do that. Yeah, I, it's definitely, you know, that's one of the things we had said before was that maybe this show is going to allow us to get out there exactly. and, and try some things that and we've it gives, always wanted to try. It gives us a chance to try too. Because yeah. as with everything, like the the a lot of the pleasure and enjoyment that I get out of canoe tripping and camping is is trying out the new things and learning from people that like your friends that you camp with and learning about new gear. It's it's this progressive learning experience that that's where I get my enjoyment out of it. Where I can the more and more I learn, the more excited I get about new products or the newest canoe out and stuff like that. I the canoe that I have 
have is like, you know, eight years old and it does me well, but you know, it's, it's interesting to see what other people are paddling. I don't need the latest and greatest myself. I just want to get out there on the water. Well, that's a lot of time. I mean, if you didn't meet people on the water and that had the same interests, then you'd be paddling with the same stuff you started with 20 years ago. Hey, I would never you know, have learned. Yeah. You would never have learned this stuff. I mean, I've, I've met some people that I've, I've, taking little tips and tricks from with the paddling and when you're on the water you know if you're doing a portage strap your paddles into the into the the canoe this way or you know you can do this that with different types of gear that some of it you know what it, it really works and others no that's not for me you know it, it all comes down to your own personal preference but in the long run it's all all a learning experience and uh you know there's a couple people that say i know enough to know that i don't know everything and you can exactly. always learn more, more things. So, you know, that's uh, where I'd like to be taking this and learning out uh, some more, some more parts and uh, we'll see what happens. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio, whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. We were discussing tools and equipment, the progression of, uh, of our gear. And, and one of the things that uh, I've always found important is, uh, is maps and uh, just the skill of map reading. And for even if it just comes down to planning a trip, you always are pulling out a map for or discussing old trips. You pull out the old maps and say, this is where we went. This is what we did. And uh, yeah, even, even if you're just on the water for a day. You know, you you want to test out a new piece of water. You know, whether you're taking your your paddleboard, your kayak, your canoe, you want to get out in the water. You're you're looking at a map. Exactly. You know, to see. Well, you know, I've never canoed here. I've it's never a... I've never paddled there. I, I I would love to to do the coastline of Georgian Bay, and you know, you're you're looking at that map and seeing what's what's available to you. What's available, and you kind of estimate distances and and what you can do for a day trip or an overnighter or whatever. It, it, a map is a key tool that we've always comes back to. It definitely is. And one of the people that we've met uh, over the years, Jeff McMurtry, he was not happy with a couple of maps he was using for his canoe trips. He, he was, um, since a teenager, he got into the canoe tripping. Um, he found that there was a lot of problems, especially with the Algonquin Parks map, uh, that things were not accurate, which led to problems on, on canoe trips, not being able to find portages and that. So we decided we'd give Jeff a call and uh, see if we can sit down and have a chat with him. And uh, he was quite accommodating and managed to get some information from him about, his, about uh, all his maps. And here, here's what he had to say. 
So we're talking to Jeff McMurtry of Jeff's Maps. Jeff, welcome to the show. Uh, tell us about your maps. What started you on your way to creating your maps? And uh, give us a little insight about uh, your first maps. Well, uh, I guess it started almost 10 years ago. Um, you know, I, I had been going on uh, trips uh, for a while with my, my father and brother to Algonquin. Uh, and short, well, you know, for a while, I guess, uh, when I was really, really young, it was uh, maybe not so enjoyable. I mean, hot, buggy. And, you know, there's plenty of other things I could have done with my summer, but uh, eventually by, I guess, the time I turned about 15, I uh, started going with another friend. And, uh, you know, first year I thought, you know, let's, let's try something new. Let's go backpacking, right? And, uh, well, I, I packed the way I, I normally would. And it was like a long portage, right? So I said, you know, screw that, right? So next year I thought, you know, let's go back to that same area, but by canoe. Canoe's great. I like canoeing. I'll show them what this is all about, right? And uh, we do that. And uh, long story short, um, yeah, we got, uh, I don't know, turned around. Uh, we couldn't find some of the portages and, and all this uh, fun stuff. Eventually, you know, we're coming back and we thought, you know, let's take a quicker route back. Let's take a shortcut. Uh, because, again, we couldn't, uh, there's a certain point where it was sort of like a key portage. missing. We couldn't go any further and we had to turn around. Now, did you have a map at that point? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had the official map of the park and, uh, you know, for, I guess, plenty of places in the park, it'll do you okay. But uh, this particular area, uh, like there's stuff like uh, one lake in particular, I remember, uh, had a long number of bays in the map, right? Where it showed uh, two two bays, and we're looking for, I guess, the South Bay, and ended up being three, and like, right, right there was like a half-day uh, distraction, I guess, right? Uh, so uh, this was, I guess, an adventure. And so, you know... Uh, we get back to uh, the permit office at the end of this, and we go tell the park staff, you know, here's all these problems we had. We had to turn around because we couldn't find uh, you know, a portage and all this. And, uh, you know, then I was like, okay, great. You know, we, we've done our part in, you know, hopefully making things a little bit better for, for future travelers for this less traveled area of the park. And, uh, you know, so every time I come back, I was kind of excited to, you know, just look at, like, oh, you know, let's see the new updated version of the map. Let's see our changes. And, you know, every time... No, no, no changes. And so, you know, at some point, I thought, um, I was just sort of browsing around online, and there was, like, an old version of the official map online. And when you downloaded it, and uh, you looked at it, it said it was made in this, this Adobe Illustrator, right? So I thought, okay, I haven't downloaded a demo of this, and I'm going to start mucking around, right? And so this is just for myself, right? And so I, you know, made a change here and a change there. I, I was going to make these couple changes, uh, for these, these big problems that we'd found. It's nice to have this, you know, uh, just for myself. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, if, if you know where you're going and what changes need to be made and, and you can make them, then you're only helping yourself. Exactly, right? I mean, it's a very, very small goal, right? And it was just kind of, you know, for myself. I want something, uh, you know, in a sense, like it's almost like a, a trophy of like, hey, we went there and here's what we learned and... I have something as a you know, physical proof to myself or something like that, you know, that, that uh, you know, here's what we got out of it, right? Um, and I guess I worked on that for uh, a while, and it just started out with, you know, those, those, those couple fixes I knew about, and, like, um, the other thing is, like, my dad had a whole bunch of, like, Algonquin books and stuff, and it was always, like, I'd be reading these books, and they'd, ooh, this is this really, really neat thing I want to see. Yeah, some ruins or some like, ice cold spring water, whatever, right? And I'd always forget. You know, you're on the trip, and 
you know, you're, you're passing by whatever area. And I, you know, I read this six months ago or a year ago. Like, you know, so and then I started adding that sort of stuff to my my um, little, you know, self-made map. And bit by bit, I was adding and adding and adding. And I, I showed it to some friends. Uh, I mean, you included. And um, you know, people seem to like this. And so, you know, I did some more adding. And at some point, I thought, you know, it'd be kind of neat if I could share this with some people, right? Because again, it'd be nice, nice, especially with those corrections that it sort of stirred me off. It'd be nice to share those, right? So other people wouldn't have to go through that. And, uh, you know, in, in a sense, it would, you know, justify the work I'd put into it. Not that, again, it was really just for myself, but, you know, it'd be kind of neat to share it, right? Well, there's enough Algonquin canoe trippers that appreciate the fact that if you're paddling for a full day, you're going to get where you want to go, and you're, you're not going to spend a lot of time looking for portages and getting lost. Yeah. And so what it was, again, because like, I started with this, this old uh, official map, what I decided I would do is I would swap everything as it wasn't mine, right? So, like, um, like the color scheme, you know, was, was theirs and that sort of thing. So over the next year and a bit, uh, every, every piece of the map that wasn't mine, I swapped it. And then I put it online. Uh, again, to share with other people, and uh, well, you know, a bunch of people downloaded it. I guess I had sort of hoped for, I don't know, a couple hundred, but ended up being like the number of hits was like twenty-seven hits. I mean, that, that, that doesn't mean twenty thousand people, right? But yeah, people are definitely looking at it. Yeah, this is not expected. So uh, that's how it started out, and uh, I mean, like, you know, I didn't have any. Again, I, I never had any grand plan. Now, I know you had some historical maps, you had some topographical maps, and you had some old personal portage maps. Uh, you incorporated all these into your final product. Yes. And so I mean, that's, that's sort of the same uh, vein as, uh, you know, t- taking some of those notes of interest in the books I mentioned before, right? Like, uh, to me, like the idea of, you know, um, understanding you know, traditional routes of travel kind of neat, right? Because, you know, a lot of these routes... Uh, or, or I'd say almost all these routes, they were used because they made sense, right? And so, you know, one, one example in particular that, that rings out in my mind is there's, uh, at the south end of the park, there's a whole chain of these long, low-maintenance uh, portages. It's like a two-kilometer portage, and then you got like a you know, 10-minute paddle, and now a two-kilometer portage. And it's kind of a painful trip, and I, I don't think it's used much as a result, right? And so, like, an example would be that I found on a historic map, there's a, a route just outside the park that is almost all water, like a short 300-meter portage. And so, you know, actually, I, I ended up trying to explore this route with a friend. Uh, and it turns out, you know, the, the part through the park going south took us about two days. And the part outside the, the park going the same, you know, distance uh, kilometer-wise took us uh, an afternoon. And so, you know, that sort of thing um, is neat to me, just these historic routes that, you know, these routes have been used for, for hundreds, about thousands of years. And uh, it's just kind of neat. It gives, adds some perspective, just like, you know, some of the logging stuff, the historic stuff. It adds perspective to the space you're traveling through. So in the end, you have this cool-looking map that everyone is enjoying and filled with all the extra details like old log cabins and out-of-the-way waterfalls, things that can add a little more to your trip. Yeah, I mean... You know, I think that, uh, you know, if you don't see it, it's not like you, you feel disappointed. But, you know, all the stuff that you're just walking by, I think if you do see it, it adds that little bit of flavor to your trip. And a lot of that could be stuff that is the stuff that you remember and talk about, uh, you know, after you finish. 
Oh yeah, I have photos of things I only knew about because I saw them on your maps. Now, you have portages and campsites marked on the maps. Uh, types of fish that you can be caught in each lake are marked. Portage lengths, historical points, things like that. What other interesting things can we find on your maps? One of my favorites is, you know, I have these travel times on the map. And what that's all about is, you know, uh, after I worked on the map, map, maps for a number of years, you know, um, I was trying to, I guess, understand, okay, so I have all these things that you wouldn't usually find, like all these historic sites and all that, that sort of stuff. But what are other things that I can add to the map to sort of, you know, solve people's problems, right? Um, you know, in a sense, you know, like... The idea is that all that, the, the basic stuff you expect, you know, campsites and portages, those solve your, your basic problem of, you know, where can I go, right? And, you know, so I was looking through forms, and one of the things I noticed was that a, a common thing that would come up is that people had a hard time translating distance into time. And that was true regardless if you're new or experienced, you know, because the thing is, uh, uh, you know, obviously that varies, right? You can't say, I travel whatever speed all the time. You're going down a long, twisty creek, and you're going to be going slower than if you're going along, you know, big old lake. And so this was uh, a problem that I'd seen, and people seemed to be struggling with. And so um, I set out to try to figure if I could uh, solve this, if I could provide people uh, with uh, some, some information on the map that would help them to judge those times, right? And, I mean, again, like, this is obviously useful for, for new people, but I think even for experienced people, too. Because obviously when you're, you're planning, part of that is you know, looking all over all the map and trying to understand, you know, what are my options? And I, I think that when you're sort of using the finger method, you're trying to like, you know, guess okay, that looks like, you know, maybe, you know, two inches, and you know, look at the legend, you know, like two inches is, you know, whatever kilometers. You know, that's, that's just not going to get you good results. You know, that's how you plan trips that are way more difficult than you expected. So adding travel times, I mean, it was a whole whole challenge, you know, how I come up with them, make them reasonable for a large segment of the population. But adding travel times was uh, a huge thing. I mean, nobody's asking for it, right? I don't know of any print map really anywhere that has it. But, you know, um, I think when, when somebody has this in their hands and it makes um, either, you know, for a new person uh, the park more accessible or for somebody else it's more experienced, you know, it makes makes it easier to sort of go through different options for a trip. Um, I think that that sort of becomes indispensable. And certainly that's the sort of thing that I enjoy coming up with and, you know, people seem to uh, really respond well to. I think something like that, as you say, is, is great for people that are newer to uh, canoe tripping and, and paddling, um, who don't have the experience to know how far they can paddle in a day. And once they see how long your timing is on, on your map, versus what they actually can do, then they can adjust accordingly. Your Algonquin map is pretty advanced right now. Are, are there more updates planned for it? Oh, absolutely. Again, like, you know, in, in a sense, like, what I enjoy the most uh, are the updates, because my goal is not just to, you know, fix a, a couple errors here and there. Because, uh, again, by and large, I got you know, most of the ones um, that, I, that, that most people have found out there, but, um, most errors that are on the map have been found and discovered, right? These have been in people's hands for years and years and years. But what I really enjoy uh, and really, really aim to do with the update is to add stuff like the travel times, new features that people aren't asking for, but that will help solve their problems. So um, that's the sort of stuff that, uh, by and large, I, I aim to add in these updates these days, and uh, that's what I'm working on right now. 
Well, that's excellent. That sounds great. Uh, now, besides the Algonquin map, you also have a Tomogamy map, and you have a Killarney and Georgian Bay coast map. And, and these maps have the same detail as the Algonquin map. So are there any other maps in the works right now? Yeah, so I got a couple more. Um, right now, um, I'm almost done. Uh, one of the French River, and so then that would then sort of connect uh, to Killarney, showing the, the north side of Urgent Bay, and then the French River over to uh, Lake Ipsing. And uh, secondly, uh, I've been working on this for a very, very long time, a couple years now, uh, a map of uh, Quetico. Quetico. That'll be a great one to have. The French River and Quetico are both pretty popular uh, areas to go paddling. Uh, Algonquin gets a lot of a lot of use and a lot of pressure, but people that want something a bit different and don't mind going that extra little bit further will love those maps. Uh, so we should be seeing these maps soon. Uh, well, hopefully this year. I mean, I, you know, I had originally hoped for Quetico last year, but uh, you know, it was just taking longer than expected, and you know, got to get it right. So uh, I delayed it, and uh, it's. It's not done yet, but it's getting close. And, uh, you know, same with uh, French River. So my, my hope is, you know, uh, early summer-ish. Ah, that'd be excellent. And, of course, your maps are waterproof and tear-resistant, so they do last more than one trip, uh, unlike some of the paper maps that uh, we take in one rainstorm and then are destroyed. Yeah, well, I mean, some of the paper ones don't even last a trip, right? Like, you know, on the folds. You fold them and they start tearing or they get wet or whatever else. Yeah, no, these are designed to last. And, uh, you know, it's my hope that uh, you know, if somebody ever does, uh, you know, get a, a new version or a new, new version of the map, it's because the map is that much better, not because the old one was bad. Good. That's excellent. Um, your maps, GPS versions, you have those available? It's uh, available online if you go to my, my website, the map. Uh, I don't know if you mention that later, but... Uh, you can go to jeffsmap.com and then click on any, any of the individual uh, ones, Carney, Tamagami, or Algonquin. And so it's actually a free download. All I ask is, you know, if somebody uh, does download, it would be really nice if they could send me like, a GPS track because that does help improve the map. But otherwise, there's no cost, and it's, uh, yeah, like I said, it's available right on my website. Excellent. So online at jeffsmaps.com. You can download or buy your maps and uh, the GPS versions of them. Um, what about stores that sell the maps? So uh, we have a whole bunch of places selling them. Not the bookstore, uh, but they are sold at a whole bunch of like local outfitters, so like Algonquin Outfitters, uh, the Portage store, that sort of thing. Right. Um, they're sold at uh, big outdoor stores like Medicare Cop, and then local stores uh, like there's the Canadian Outdoor Equipment Company, and other, you know, in Peterborough, the local uh, stores, Wild Rock. Okay, so there's plenty of places people can go and buy the map as well. And that, that's a, a great thing. As I say, I use the Algonquin one a lot. I think they're really helpful and perfect for anyone that wants to get out on the water. Jeff, thank you very much. I hope uh, you get those Quetico and French River maps out there sooner rather than later, and we can get a copy and head on up and do some paddling. Absolutely. Very nice talking to you, Sean. All right. Thank you very much, and we'll be talking to you soon, Jeff. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton.
You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio, whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. It's good to be able to talk to local people like Jeff McMurtry of Jeff's Maps, people that take an active role in trying to make a positive contribution to the paddling community. A goal of Paddling Adventures Radio is to be a contributing source of information to the paddling community, as well as a link to others that are attempting to share ideas and information. To that end, we have a Facebook page where we are able to share things we find and information others share with us. As well, we put links to the guests we have on our show and gear we review. It is one thing to talk for an hour, but by combining Paddling Adventures Radio, the show, with a Facebook page, we are able to give our listeners the opportunity to discover more on their own than we can relay to them in an hour. So we would encourage you to find Paddling Adventures Radio on Facebook and discover more of the paddling world. At the end of our show, we like to mention events that are taking place that may be of interest to paddlers. If you have an event, or if you know one coming up in your area, drop us a line and let us know. And just because we are in the Toronto area, Paddling Adventures Radio is on the World Wide Web, so that means people all over this little blue ball will be listening. Drop us a line at sean at paddlingadventuresradio.com. That's S-E-A-N at paddlingadventuresradio.com. If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit WRVORadio.com online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. And enjoy the great outdoors. So over the years, um, I've come to notice that, you know, everybody likes to have a dog in the canoe. Uh, but lately, it seems, they're just coming out of the woodwork over the last year or so. Everybody's got a dog. Everybody's bringing their companion with them. Yeah. And, and it used to be, you know, a, a man and his dog, his best friend in the canoe, <laughs> and they'd be out on the water fishing or canoeing. And now it's kayaks and uh, even seeing them on the stand-up paddle boards now. That kind of surprised me. I wouldn't think you could bring a dog on a paddle board. I guess it works, but it's just, it was surprised. I was surprised when I heard about that. Yeah, no, it was, they, you can just Google it and you'll you'll find it. And people, yeah, any, anywhere people can take their dogs. I mean, everybody loves a dog, right? Um, we've always had dogs growing up and uh, I've had a couple, our, our previous dog used to chase canoes. Uh, to the point we were in Algonquin Park um, one year and somebody was paddling by and she swam out and that person had to come back so we could grab our dog. (laughs) (laughs) She's going to follow him. I don't know where. Uh, Our latest dog, Hunter, loves to go into the canoe, but he loves to try to haul stuff in. So if you're passing by a log. Oh, okay. Or uh, there was one time there was uh, some ducks going by with uh, some little ducklings. And he wanted to try to haul one of those in. 
Um, which is makes for a bit of an excitement when the dog's rocking the canoe all over the place. No, he didn't take to the water right away, didn't he? Like, there wasn't there... I had a, an episode where he didn't want to go in the canoe. He wanted to go swimming. And we were supposed to be heading in. Uh, we had a... It was a four-hour drive. We put the canoe in the water, and then we had about a three, four-hour paddle, and he wanted nothing to do with the canoe. <laughs> he wanted to swim. He wanted to run and play, so we let him do that, and... There was no getting him in that canoe. We ended up leaving. Leaving. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I was not too happy that day. Um, but yeah, every everybody seems to have have animal stories now with, with the dogs in the canoes. Um, uh, yeah, I, uh, I the only time I've ever had dogs with me on a canoe trip was when I we lived out in British Columbia on Vancouver Island, and up on Grand Lake, I uh, we went out. And we had two beagles at the time, and uh, it was it was an interesting trip. It was a fun trip. It was about uh, four or five days. We crossed Grand Lake and uh, went up to Bridal Veil Falls, and it was a great trip. Uh, it but the thing I, I often find it it was they're great companions, but problem with beagles is that they can lose their mind. And so we came across three different bears on that trip, and it, it was difficult to keep the dogs down and not howl at the bears. So, but other than that, it was it was great having them with you. It uh, it's interesting to see their reactions to your environment and seeing that they're enjoying it as much as you're enjoying it. Well, Hunter's part hound, and he gets that nose going. Yeah, just and like the beagles, they're nuts. Yeah, it's it's just you get them you get them on a portage or something, and I mean you, you keep them close. Um, you know, one if there's more than just me, one of somebody's got them on the leash. Uh, or the rope tied to your waist sort of thing. I always you know. had to have the beagles yeah. tied on a rope. And otherwise, I mean, Hunter's trained well enough that he'll stick close. You know, you just call him, he stops, he comes on back. Um, but he's in the bush, he's sniffing. And a lot, any little any little scent he picks up, and he's just all over the place. There's yeah. a definite pleasure to having a, a, a companion, a dog with you on a trip. Definitely, definitely, if you can just keep him in the canoe. <laughs> now... Uh, we have uh, a friend, Preston, uh, from portageur.ca, and he actually has his little dog, Nancy, and they go over, uh, invited to places, um, to give discussions on canoeing with your dog. Yeah, and dog Last takes part weekend, in that discussion. they were at the Toronto Outdoor Adventure Show. Yeah, Nancy, Nancy speaks, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, they're at the uh, Toronto Outdoor Adventure Show, uh, and they give they give uh, little demonstrations on canoeing with your dog. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's it's pretty neat to see. And he he loves going with Nancy. Uh, even their logo, the his website logo, has uh, somebody portaging oh, a canoe and the dog running the dog in, in front. One gentleman that recently contacted me through Facebook because I happened to um, see his Facebook page and we liked each other's pages it was the paddling adventures radio facebook page the paddling adventures radio facebook page yes um he actually has uh, is a musician down in in Na out of nashville uh, jerry vandiver and he uh, is um writes country music because that's what they do down there and he does actually he's, he's quite into canoe tripping and he's got a cd out that is all canoe tripping music True mm -hmm. and deep. Um, so I, was, I just happened to be browsing some of his music and uh, came across a couple of songs I liked, and especially this one. And it is about a man, his dog, and their canoe. 
and it's called Me and Molly. Okay, yep. So, this is it. And this he spontaneously is... contacted you. Yep. Was... And, yeah, no, he's, we, like I say, we, we liked each other's pages and then started okay. chatting. So, so here it is, uh, Me and Molly by Jerry Vandiver. I took the stern She took the bow I settled in And she settled down And put her nose on the floor To get the best view It's me and Molly In our canoe We'd talk about ways of the world all those we love and how she's a good girl and then she'd show a big smile that says I agree with you it's me and Molly in our canoe my best friend my companion Always by my side Wherever we land And no journey was so hard We couldn't make it through It's me and Molly In our canoe She's waiting for me And I hope there's a clear stream below Cause when I meet her there It will be so sweet When we jump in that boat And go with the flow When I go With my best friend, my companion, always by my side, wherever we landed, and no journey was so hard, we couldn't make it through, it's me and Molly, it's me and Molly. Me and Molly. In our canoe. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. 
Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit WRVORadio.com online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. And enjoy the great outdoors. So as our show goes on, we're going to be discussing things um, that we prefer to use when we're out paddling on the water. Tips and gear and, and certain things, just preferences that, that we have. Uh, everybody does have their own preferences. Um, like I say, to gear, uh, what they carry, whether it's just for a day or a week, in their pack, in their canoe, uh, on their person. I know my, my life jacket's got little pockets I carry certain things in all the time. And I you know feel naked without having them there sort of deal. One of the big things with me is water. Even if I'm out for a day trip, um, if I'm out for a couple of weeks, I guzzle water. When I'm portaging in, in, in the heat, I, I go through it like, like it's water. Exactly. And if you're like me, like I, I have a nervousness about the quality of the water that we're drinking. I, I've never been sick from drinking water, but I've always been very careful about filtering my water in a lake, in a river. And uh, there, there, there are various ways uh, and methods of um, filtering the water. Back in the day, when I know we used to go camping, uh, doing the hiking and stuff like that, there was always the iodine tablets. I always used to boil. Boil and iodine. So time consuming. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the the wasting fuel. Yeah, um, the, and the, and the iodine just awful taste. <laughs> you, did, you didn't want to drink yeah. water. Uh, then we got into the water filters. Um, they're they're they've advanced a lot uh, from from the beginnings. The one that I really really like the best now. I, I've I've used a couple. But it is the MSR MiniWorks EX water filter. Um, it's pretty small. It fits in your day pack if you're going for a day. Uh, what I like about it is if you're in the middle of a lake or river, or whatever, you can just throw the one end into the water. The filter itself itself screws right onto an Nalgene bottle. Um, so you're you're pumping from the from the water directly into an Nalgene bottle. Easy peasy, no problems. Um, no bad taste. Uh, what is it? It's about 16 ounces. It's about 16 uh, ounces. Yeah. It's really small. It, it uh, fits into a small pouch. It, uh, the capacity is like about a liter per minute. And you know when it's starting to get clogged up. And, and the benefit, the bonus of the MSR itself is the fact that you can field clean it. It's a lot. There's a lot of paper filter uh, cartridges out there on the market. And, and the one that I use myself right now is a paper cartridge. And when it gets clogged up, that's it it's it's done but what's good about this one is the fact that you can clean it and you can get about 30 to 60 cleanings out of it depending on how much force you use when you do clean it yeah it, it comes with the uh, a little gauge um there's a little red gauge that will slip over the ceramic uh, filter inside so if if that fits over the ceramic filter you know it's time to change the filter you've scrubbed it down you've lost enough of the circumference from cleaning it that 
it's telling you that you're 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 running out of ceramic uh, housing. Yeah, and it comes with a little green scrub thing to to clean it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've been using that for a few years now. Um, this is my second one that, that I've been using. The first one I used probably for about 10 years at least, uh, if not a little bit longer. Um, I used uh, another version that had a different type of, of um, handle on it. Uh, it was the, the micro filter, the MSR micro filter. And the, the handle, there was a little clip the clip for the uh, lever for the yeah for the for the handle would flip over and and I dropped that a couple of times and uh, it broke and and whatnot but uh, the quality w was there that I just switched to a different uh, different type of mm -hmm. MSR water filter and quality of any product is up now just through the technology of of the different plastics that are available I I recall using uh, the uh, MSR Mini Works back in the mid nineties early nineties and. Uh, I, I, it's the same one that we're talking about now. It's the earlier version. And, uh, I, we filtered, uh, out of mud puddles at one time on a hiking trip. We were unable to find water and we filtered out of the, uh, right out of a mud puddle. It wasn't that muddy, but it was quite murky and we did get water and then we just scrubbed it down and, uh, the first chance we got. But that, that's, that's the benefit of this, of this filter itself is the fact that you can field clean it. Well, yeah. And you know what, the, the thing I like most is if, you're on a canoe trip, then you can uh, filter the water as you begin, go. As you go, mm -hmm. you know. I, I know that a few of my buddies there that we go with they're they're into the gravity filters. I think you've and got I a have gravity a gravity filter, filter yes, um, which is great for when you're at camp. It's a base camp. Yeah, filter. it definitely is. But when you're out for a day trip and it's hot, yeah. and you know you need that extra liter of water, then this is perfect. Like I say, it's small. It yeah. fits in your in your pack. Um, that's, that's my one, one big thing that I need when I'm out on, on the water mm -hmm. is water. And I exactly. need something, I need yes. water while on the water and I need something to clean it with. And yeah, the, the filter, <laughs> if I have to, if I had to bring one piece of equipment that I couldn't leave without, it would be my water filter. Absolutely. So, you know what, if, if this one goes the way of the dodo eventually, I know I'll be getting myself another one of these, these, uh, MSR uh, Mini Works EX water filters. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio, whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit wrvoradio.com online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. And enjoy the great outdoors. Some upcoming events that may be of interest. On Saturday, March 5th, the Quiet Water Symposium at Michigan State University. March 11th through 13th is Canucopia in Madison, Wisconsin. On March 19th and 20th, the Ottawa Outdoor Adventure and Travel Show at the EY Center. 
And on April 16th, the Kitchener-Waterloo Canoe Symposium at the Princess Twin Cinemas in Waterloo. You've been listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. See you next time.